Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Happy Friday. We're doing that straight cat strut. It's Wendy Snyder in for Lisa Dent, and I am very happy to meet our next guest, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community, Dr. Dana Varble. Hi, Dr. Varble. Hi, Wendy. It's nice to meet you today. Nice to meet you. Now, I have been forewarned that listeners eat you up like crazy, so 312-981-7200. Questions? Why don't we start right away um, with Mary, who has called us. Hi, Mary. Hi, Wendy. Hi, doctor. So nice to talk to you. Absolutely. You you, too. What kind of animal do you have? Well, we have several animals. We have uh, three dogs, two cats, and two bearded dragons. Hmm. So my question today is about the bearded dragons. There's an ongoing argument in, in our house about the care of the bearded dragons, and I've researched it quite a bit. So I contend that they need to be fed a small salad every day and worms three times a week. I don't like to give them crickets because if the crickets aren't eaten right away, I know that they will bite the bearded dragon. So the other people in the household think that they can go a week without eating. And I just... I just have a problem with this, so I hope the rest of my family is listening so that you can give us your expert advice. I love resolving family debates. This is great. <laughs> so the funny thing about, about reptiles in general is, is you know, we know they sometimes skip meals um, just because that day their metabolism can be, I mean, their metabolism is, me, metabolism is slower than mammals, for example. But because they tend to be animals that skip meals, it doesn't mean we can skip feeding them. So actually, I am going to go with you on this one. Uh, small salad, uh, four or five times a week. It doesn't have to be on the same days they get their insects. And you're going to want to do insects probably three times a week. So, you know, you're definitely going to want to change that up depending on what you do. Sometimes on the days they are, they eat their insects, you can skip the salad, but I never recommend um, skipping meals for reptiles because if they decide to skip a meal um, on the days that you're not skipping a meal, it, it just throws everything off. So easiest to just to get on a routine with them as well. So great question, but uh, you win this family debate. <laughs> Congrats, Mary. Uh, Oh, thank you, thank you. And uh, Jen, I hope you tuned in and are listening to this. And uh, it's not about winning. It's about the health of the beardies. Oh, get out of here. It's about being right. Yes, it is. Thank you, Mary. (laughs) It it could be about both this time. (laughs) Yes, it could. 
Good point. It could be about both, yeah. Uh, Dr. Dana Varble on the line with us. Um, I was reading up that you have a BS in zoology. I worked at Brookfield Zoo for many years just uh, as a tour guide on the motor safari and the railroad train. I love animals. I've always had animals. Uh, I had a, a rabbit named Nosy who lived to be about 14 years old. He was uh, a pretty big domestic oh. bunny. Um, I have a dog now, Kona, who is... Uh, we adopted him, and he was a rescue dog. He came from via Kentucky. Uh, we got him as a puppy. Mm-hmm. We think he is Border Collie and Black Lab, although I think he's Border Collie and Flat-Coated Retriever because he has a lot of waves in his hair. But this dog, That's Kona, huh? he all he does is lick things. I have to wash my comforter <laughs> like every other week because he just licks he licks the couch he licks you he licks everything if he was a human he'd be a smoker what's going on with him doc (laughs) well yeah no that's a great question though licking can be it's kind of a it's a, a common behavior and it can become a behavior problem and it sounds like we're starting to get there a little bit but Licking is, it serves a couple of purposes for dogs in their communication. One, it, it, for them, it can be a sign of being submissive to someone else. So when our dogs lick us, of course, we think it's really cute. We think they're being affectionate. And in a way, they are. But they're also showing us, you're the boss. I love you. Here's some kisses. So that's one reason that they can do it. The other reason is any sort of like rhythmic type of thing, like licking or suckling or unfortunately even pacing can become the fancy word is a stereotypy or basically a bad habit. It's a little bit like us chewing on our fingernails. Yeah. It makes them feel better, releases endorphins. So it's very hard to break. Sometimes it can be said we need a little more exercise or need to divert that that excess energy into another direction. But as long as they're not hurting themselves or hurting you, it might be just something we all have to cope with, unfortunately. You know those little bands that they put on the claw of a lobster? Should I try that on his (laughs) snout? And I'm totally kidding. Somebody's going to think I really mean that. Um, (laughs) No rubber bands on dogs. Right. Anyone. (laughs) But diversion is the key for a lot of things, right? Like maybe when I Mm -hmm. notice him licking the bed, like, hey, let's go throw the tennis ball around in the yard for 80,000 times. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so many of our our dogs, and, and I've been, this has happened with my dogs too, you know, if we get into our routine and we're maybe not going for as many walks, we have a busy time in our life. What we find is that that excess energy finds other outlets, and some of those outlets are not good. It could be chewing things up. It could be excess licking. It could be them chewing on their paws or scratching or things like that. So whenever you're seeing a behavior that you don't like, diversion to something that also makes your pet happy can be a really healthy way to kind of deal with it. So if you're saying Kona just going for the, the comforter or something, okay, we're going to go for a 15-minute walk. And sometimes just the habit of breaking that behavior will start to make it less common. So yeah. that could be key, yeah. That is great advice. All right, she is Dr. Dana Varble, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community. And 312-981-7200 is the number to call. You can also text us. Carl, hold on if you can. We'll take a break, and uh, then you can ask your question to Dr. Varble. In the meantime, Mary will get you caught up on weather and traffic.
Okay. It's Wendy and for Lisa today, and we are talking with Dr. Dana Varble. And a lot of people have lined up to ask you questions, Dr. Varble. <laughs> 312 Great. Bring them on. I will. 312-981-7200. Carl, you've been on hold. So, Carl, you have a question for Dr. Varble. What is it? Yes, I do. Hi, Wendy. Hi, doctor. Uh, doctor, is the FVRCP, is that uh, the distemper? Bex? FVRCP. Feline? Yes. Yes. So that is a uh, multivalent vaccine that protects against several viruses. So, um, but yes, feline distemper is the common one. Okay, I was wondering about the exact purpose of the, uh, but it, so it protects against what you just said, correct? Yeah, it actually pr- protects against the combination of, of viral diseases. One is called. FVR stands for feline viral rhinotracheitis, which is just a very fancy word for a viral upper respiratory tract infection. Uh, the other one is Khaleesi virus, which is what the C stands for. Again, another really can be kind of nasty upper respiratory tract infection. But what we usually call this temper in cats is something called feline panleukopenia. Again, big word for a virus that actually causes pretty severe damage to bone marrow. And again, high, very contagious, can be fatal, but that's what the vaccine is for. It actually protects against multiple viral diseases. Doctor, besides the rabies vaccine, uh, is the, the distemper um, uh, highly recommended as well? Yes. So the feline distemper and canine distemper vaccines are highly recommended. And part of the reason for that is that we know that both feline distemper and canine distemper exist in wildlife. So unfortunately, it's still out. It's in our environment. Even our house cats and our our house dogs, so to speak, can pick up those diseases. And the easiest way to prevent them is, of course, with those very safe vaccines. And Carl, I saw um, a video of a dog on TikTok who was recovering from distemper and pretty much became paralyzed. They had to um, carry this dog all around and they're giving it um, a lot of help and and, um, physical therapy to try and get it walking again. But if you can avoid it with uh, a shot, why not? Thank you for calling. Yeah, Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Dr. Varble. It was really sad to see it. This dog was like completely paralyzed. Poor little sweet thing. Yeah, canine distemper is is really, it's a very severe disease. Unfortunately, most patients that get it um, die. So, yeah. you know, with those kinds of consequences. And again, the, especially canine distemper vaccine, it's not a new, these are not new vaccines. They're very, very safe. They've been studied for a very long time. And we know that they're very, very effective, too. So, yeah, definitely it's not something you want to mess around with. Okay, Jim has called us at 312-981-7200. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Good, you have a question about your puppy? Yeah, he's a three-year-old mixed German Shepherd, and uh, he, he'll be, like, just laying down, you know, chilling on the couch or the floor or whatever, and then he just starts panting for no reason, not like he's been running or it's hot out or nothing. Mm. He just pants. And then, and then he'll stop, and he'll 
go somewhere else to lay down, you know, and then he might get up and just do it again. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things. It could be completely normal. I think sometimes, what, right. especially those dogs with that, that really thick, they have a thick double coat. You know, they've got that nice insulating layer and then those beautiful yeah. shiny guard hairs over it. So I do think sometimes we don't see that those dogs are actually, temperatures we find very comfortable, they might be a little warm at. So that might be one reason. Uh, sometimes I'll have dogs pant in their sleep because they're dreaming. <laughs> so it's hard to, sometimes hard to tell, but uh, that's always a possibility. Yeah. And stress. And, you know, don't they have some stress yeah, if they're panting? They can, you know, they can. Stress can be, it can be a sign of stress, anxiety, things like that. The only other thing that worries me just a tad and something I might investigate is sometimes that can be a sign of thyroid dysfunction mm. or hypothyroidism in dogs. Talk to your vet. If you had blood work done routinely, it may, have, it may already be something they're like, nope, it's not that. But it'd be good to know because it's very easy to treat if that's the case. Uh, and it can make them do some other odd things, too. So it might be something to check out. Good luck, Jim. Okay, thank you. Very, thank you. So, You're do- welcome. Dr. Varble, um, so you mentioned blood work. I, I, I take my dog for like a yearly physical like mm-hmm. I did with my boys. And um, it, it, are there, other than all the vaccines that I get him and um, because he goes to daycare, should blood work mm-hmm. be part of that physical every year just so they can keep an eye on things? Because it's really you know, expensive. Good- <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> It is, yeah. You know, generally we do it when they're puppies. Usually when they get spayed or neutered, we recommend just a quick routine blood work because that can pick up any changes that might be congenital or genetic. Girls usually show up about that age when they're, I like to say, in their teen years. So if you have blood work done when they're spayed or neutered, it's usually not recommended until they hit senior age. Now, senior age is different for dogs and cats, and it's different for very large dogs versus very small dogs. Very small dogs we consider seniors usually about seven or eight. And now large breed dogs, those guys that weigh 60, 70 pounds or more, are usually considered seniors at five. And at that age, we definitely want to start getting annual blood work because it can show these little problems, again, that we can address or prevent or even slow down much sooner. And there are things I just can't pick up on a physical exam. My stethoscope works really well, but like I always <laughs> tell people, it's not magic. It's just not magic. I wish it was. All right, so that depresses me because Kona is 60 pounds and five years old, so he's middle-aged. That's killing me. He's a senior. <laughs> well, he's just starting his senior year. So, you know, he's, he's more like middle-aged. And, you know, the nice thing about Kona, you mentioned, he's a mixed breed dog. Sometimes mixed-breed dogs have stronger genetics because they got mixed up. So don't worry yet. No need to panic. Just maybe time to start doing a little more preventative care. All right. I'm going to grab one more. But, Vince, you got to promise me we're quick here. We only have about a minute and a half. You have a question for Dr. Varble? Okay, sure. Yeah. We have a half Golden Retriever and a half German Shepherd. And she's mm-hmm. about seven years old, and she is constantly having ear issues like and and we're told that she just has extra earwax, and we're constantly have to clean. She's constantly scratching. Is that is that due Aww. to her breed, or is this something for uh, specific dogs? Yeah, that could be 
great question. Some individuals just do seem to be have waxier ears. You know, when you're seeing that, yeah, it, she might be an animal that, again, just because we're individual, it does seem to be more in those floppier dogs that they get a little bit more wax buildup and need more regular cleaning. If you're seeing infections, definitely time to talk to the vet or even a veterinary dermatologist because ear infections can have a lot of causes and actually are often caused by underlying allergies. So as long as you're just having to clean more often, unfortunately, that might just be her. <laughs> and does she have ears that yeah, goes up or ears that flop down? Because that probably has they're some... The, they're, yeah, they're the floppy ones. Yeah. We, floppy yeah. ones, yeah. yeah. Floppy ones. And that's an interesting mix because I, that was a good question. <laughs> yeah. That mix could go either way. Right, exactly. They could have floppy ears or stand-up yeah. ears yeah. with that mix. Yeah. yeah. Well, so good floppy l- your okay. dogs in general. Thanks very much. Thank cleaning. you, Vince. Good luck You're to welcome. you. Uh, it is a pleasure to meet you. Um, and Lisa will be back next week. And, and it's nice to talk to you, Dr. Dana Varble, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community. Have a super great weekend. Thanks, Wendy. You too. Absolutely. I love dog talk. I Cats, too. I had a cat. Cats are good, too. And bearded dragons. All right, I just love animals. Uh, news coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on 720 WGN. WGN.